This evening we are starting a new series on Daniel and we have entitled our series as Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to be a Daniel. The timeline for this would be around 605 BC when uh, the children of Israel were taken into Babylon. If uh, Daniel was born around 620 BC, he would have been around maybe 15, 16 years of age when he was taken to Babylon. Now, we started off in uh, Joseph from the age of 17. Around the same age is also Daniel. Now, if we know anything about Daniel, you definitely know about Daniel in the lion's den, isn't it? But oftentimes we think about Daniel in the lion's den of Daniel being a young boy. Actually, Daniel would have been in his 80s when he was in the lion's den. But remember, there would never have been a Daniel in the lion's den if there was not a Daniel in the dining room when he was a teenager. Now, when you look at our passage this uh, evening, Daniel chapter 1, I want you to think for a moment, which was more tougher, for Daniel to be in the lion's den or for Daniel to be in the dining room as a teenager? But it is definitely because of the decisions that he made as a teenager in the dining room, he was able to stay strong even in the lion's den. So important principle as we start our study this uh, evening. It is the foundations that you lay when you are young, which is going to hold you, support you in the future. That is why foundations are so very important. When you build a building, you find you have to put a strong foundation, isn't it? You want to put a skyscraper, you have to do a lot of pile foundation. The foundation has to go deep. So if your life, you want to make sure that it's going to be of uh, now value, something worth it, that you're going to leave a mark in this world, then this is the right time to lay the right foundations. Let's briefly you know, do a, a few brief details about Daniel. The word Daniel, his name means God is judge. God is judge. And the king, remember, gave him the name Belteshajar, which means may the god Bel protect your life. Okay, Bel is the god Baal. And then uh, uh, the king gave this name to Daniel. But Daniel's Hebrew name was God is judge. And the parents gave him this particular name for a, a reason. We will look at that as we go through the study. Now, anything that we know about his birth, there's no information whatsoever. There's no information who his parents were. There's no information on which particular year he was born. This is just a calculation we can do that he was born around 620 BC and was taken to Babylon after the siege of Jerusalem ended. It started in 605 BC. If you give a year or two for it to end, then we would say put it in that particular year period. Okay. Now, remember then Daniel was just a young boy. In his teens, 15, 16, 17, maybe max, okay? And, uh, and he had to leave his hometown, leave his uh, surroundings, 
Maybe leave his parents and I leave everybody whom he knew and he was taken or transported into a very pagan and a sinful culture. And in this particular culture, there was definitely would have to be <coughs> very many problems that would have arisen. There would have been a lot of pressures because it's a new environment. It's like, for example, you have grown up in a particular city, your friends are all here and you decide to leave that place and go for studies to somewhere else. Now, it comes to studies, you say, okay, you're going to pick up new friends over there. It takes a little while. But this was not going for studies. He was taken over as a slave, and that's going to be very bad, isn't it? That was to be cut off, you know. You know, it was like, you know, he was enclosed in a particular area. That was going to be definitely high pressure. But Daniel was still able to stand firm in this pressure. <laughs> so let's look at the passage this evening, Daniel chapter 1, and learn who was Daniel. Who was Daniel? Verse 3 tells us, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and the nobles, youths in whom there was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had the ability for serving in the king's court. He was a young man of the nobility. He was the, the cream crop of the Israelites. He was young, good-looking. The Bible says no defect, okay? Intelligent person, you know, the Bible tells us in every branch of wisdom, Endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge. Okay, so here was a person who was a promising young man, full of uh, dreams and plans for the future, maybe. But suddenly, at this particular point of time, he's taken from his hometown to Babylon. I wonder what would have been the feelings of Daniel at this stage. Remember, Daniel was not you know, like in a and you know, one of the lowest of the class, so he didn't mind. No, he was the top class. And from the top class to be taken to Babylon as a slave to be there was definitely going to be a tough job. But when he is there, the king has ordered Ashpenaz to bring in some of the sons of Israel. Okay, not all. Okay, not all. He is now selected from among all of them who are taken as in our captives to Babylon. So the first thing that he would have thought of is, why am I here? Now suddenly he's been picked up you know, by the king's you know, official itself. Now, I wonder what were his feelings at that particular time? Would he have said, now I'm going to have things better for me, so I can you know, sort of play it cool, I can relax a bit now, I'm no longer a captive, as it were, but now I'm you know, selected to serve at the king's uh, uh, court. I wonder what his feelings would have been. But what was the king's uh, intention of selecting him? This is what we call as Operation Assimilation. Operation Assimilation. Verse 4 tells us he ordered him to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Okay. Because these people had come from noble backgrounds, the king had required that they be trained to enter his service. Now remember, these were God-fearing Jewish teenagers. 
but now they were going to be trained to work for a pagan king. What are the stages of assimilation? Stage number one was that the king made sure that they get the best education Babylon can offer for three years. It was a three-year course, three-year program. For three years, they were going to be totally immersed in the Babylonian knowledge, culture, history, language, and religion. Now, was King Nebuchadnezzar keen on educating them or on indoctrinating them? Now, what's the difference between education and indoctrination? Indoctrination basically means to cause to accept a set of beliefs uncritically through repeated instruction. It is like a brainwashing, okay? It is drilled into you, drilled into you, drilled into you. You just take it, you just take it. You have to pass the exam as it were, okay? You don't criticize it. You don't critically evaluate it, okay? True education would help you to you know, critically evaluate you know, uh, thought patterns and come to conclusions. But indoctrination is saying, this is what you have to study, this is what you have to learn. Okay. Now, that type of an assimilation, if you notice, can happen even in the world today, isn't it? We have our studies in school and college. You know, at times, you know, the worldview of the you know, studies that you do could be contrary to what the Bible teaches us. You, know, you may learn, for example, in school and college about the theory of evolution, but the Bible will speak about creation. Now, if you are not critically evaluating and you just take it all in, take it all in, you know, that would become an indoctrination. And before you know it, you have been brainwashed to say, I don't believe the Bible, okay? Because this is what I have been taught in school or college that we as, you know, came from you know, this evolutionary process, okay? So the assimilation stage one was so that they would begin to think like a Babylonian. Don't think like a Jewish person, think like a Babylonian. And that's what the pressure today is in the world. Don't think like a Christian, think like a person in the world. Second stage two was that the Jewish names were changed in favor of new Babylonian names. Okay, Daniel, we said, name meant God is my judge. But he changed it to Balthasar, which means Bel, protect the king. Hananiah's name meant Jehovah is gracious. Okay, Shadrach in a, meant the name Shadrach, which means the command of Aku. Mishael means who is like God. He changed it to Meshach, which means who is like Aku. Aku again is the Babylonian god. Azariah means Jehovah is my helper. He changed it to Abednego, servant of Nego, which is again another Babylonian god. So if you notice, all the Jewish names had linkages with who is God. Yahweh is great. It was all linked with Yahweh. Whereas, what did the king do? He changed those names all into names speaking about the Babylonian God. Okay, now why did he do that? He gave them these names so that, you know, it would be uh, the thought about who Jehovah is, the thought about who the God of the Jews is, 
will be taken off from their mind. So that every time somebody called their name, instead of you know, thinking about God is my judge, you know, they would think about you know, Bel is the God. So as a result, he thought, the king thought, by changing their names, they would forget their identity. But remember, okay, you know, these young men did not bother about that. Okay? They said, you can call me whatever you want, you know, but I am not going to change my internal identity. My external identity does not make a difference to me. What matters to me is my internal identity. Maybe they thought about Joseph, whose name was changed, or they thought about you know, uh, Hadassah, whose name was changed to Esther. So there were patterns where the names were changed, but the character did not change. So they were aware of that. So they said, okay, king, okay, we take the best education. It may change, differ from what we think, you know, but we are not going to give it. Internally, we are still going to stay strong. You may change our external names, you know, thinking that we will forget about our God, but that's not going to happen. Okay. Then you know, the third stage was the king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine in which he drank. Okay. Now, when it came to this, when it came to this stage, okay, they said nothing doing. Okay. They drew the line over here. Now, you may have a question at this particular point. Okay? Now, they gave in for the education. They didn't say, no, we are not going to study this. They gave in to the education. When the names were changed, they didn't mind also. It says, no problem. Okay? But why did they say no when it came to eating of the king's choice food? Okay? We look at that. But at this particular juncture, I want you to know, in verse 8, where it says, But Daniel made up his mind that he will not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. Okay? But Daniel resolved in his heart. And this is the crucial event of his life. The decision that he took at the dining table here you know, decided his destiny for the next 60 years next 60 years, okay? That stood him strong, isn't it? Now, Daniel had to uh, constantly make decisions every day, okay? He was involved in a pagan education and he had to take a decision. Is this in line with scripture? Is this not in line with scripture? They called him different names, okay? But he said, you know, I have to take a call. You call me what you want to, but I'm not going to change. Now, we are living in a similar world, isn't it? You know, you know where the, the studies that we do may be you know, contrary to what the scripture says. You know, what does that mean? Do we give up studies? Do we stop studying? Or do we take a stand? Do we take an internal stand and say, this is what I'm learning, but this is what the Bible is teaching me. Or your friends may call you different names, you know, maybe to ridicule you, maybe to so that you... Uh, forget you know, your Christian beliefs, but what would you do? You know? But when it comes to this third part of it, of eating pagan food, this is where he draws the line. So there are choices that we are making every day. Okay? We have to make sure that we don't compromise. But there's also a line that is drawn to say so much and not further. Okay? 
So why did Daniel refuse to compromise? Well, it says, but Daniel resolved in his heart or purposed in his heart, okay, or decided in his heart or he made up his mind, okay. What do you mean by when it says he made up his mind or you know, uh, purposed in his heart? He decided beforehand. Maybe when he was taken a captive itself to Babylon, he would have made up his mind. Look here, you know, I'm not going to forget my roots. I'm not going to forget my heritage. I'm not going to forget Yahweh, God who has been with us thus far. He had made up his mind. And that is something which helped him to take the stand. So when it says Daniel resolved in his heart, it basically is saying he had already decided beforehand. He had already decided beforehand. Okay, You can live in Babylon you know, because your body is in Babylon. But if your heart is in heaven, that is where you will be able to stand firm. Remember, the Bible tells us we are in this world, but not of this world, isn't it? We are living in this world, but our heart should not be here. And that is what Daniel resolved. He resolved in his heart to say, I belong to God. So the question we must ask ourselves is, is our heart fixed on the things of this world? Is our heart fixed on the things of this world? Or is our heart fixed on eternity? Remember, we mentioned that there were definitely different pressures that he faced, you know, choices that he had to make every day. There was a spiritual pressure because he was worshipping the one true God, whereas the Babylonians were not worshipping that God. They were worshipping idols, you know, and he had to constantly face pressure. Remember, it was not only these friends of his and Daniel. There were a lot of other people also, isn't it? You know, they would have given in, but he has said no. There would have also been a lot of intellectual pressure, you know, the battle for the mind, where every day for three years he's you know, studying about all Babylonian culture and traditions and you know, belief system and maybe magic practices or whatever of the Babylonians. All that he is learning, there's an intellectual pressure that is going on. There would have also been a lot of peer pressure when his friends who came from Babylon, uh, from uh, Judah, they would have said, hey, guys, we are in Babylon now. Nobody sees what we are doing. Nobody knows what we are doing. Let's enjoy life. That would have definitely been that type of pressure from his friends also. But remember, the Bible tells us that he resolved in his heart. Remember, life is a series of choices. And most of the time, we don't realize how important small choices can be. And this is especially when we are young. Many of life's most important decisions are made during the teenage years. Questions like, where will you go for college? What will be your you know, uh, major that you'll be doing? Or what will be the main subject that you'll be studying? Which career would you be choosing? You know, Who will be your best friend? What type of music you will listen to? Or what type of music, uh, movies you will watch? Would you keep yourself pure in the midst of this impure world? Life is a question of daily choices that you make. But definitely the most important choice that you have to make is will you decide to follow Jesus? And this question is crucial because surveys conducted show that 90% of 
of all people who come to know Christ do so by the age of 18. In other words, this is the teenage years. This is the years when you are making choices, crucial choices. And the most important choice that you can make in your life is to follow after Jesus. And even this evening, you must ask yourself, like Daniel resolved in his heart, have you resolved in your heart to follow after Jesus? It is the small choices that matter. Remember, the impact on the other hand of small bad choices is illustrated by this illustration of a 400-year-old redwood tree that suddenly and without warning toppled to the forest floor. What caused the death of such a majestic giant? Was it fire? Was it lightning? A strong wind? A post-mortem examination revealed a startling cause. What is the cause? Tiny beetles had crawled under the bark and literally eaten the fibers away from inside. Although it looked healthy on the outside, on the inside it was virtually hollow and one day finally collapsed. And the same thing happens in our lives when we don't take a stand for Christ. When internally our hearts are not set on following after God, our hearts are constantly dying. It's like the termites that eat away the wood. Externally it looks very good, but before you know it, the whole thing crumbles out because the internal is hollow. How is your heart this evening? Is it determined to follow after Christ? Or is it only the external you are saying, yes, I'm a Christian, but internally there's nothing left. One day it is definitely going to collapse. Now the question would arise, how was Daniel able to face all these pressures? How did he combat this pressure? At least three things we can definitely understand. Number one would be that godly parents taught the word of God. Now, he said, we don't know anything about his parents. How did he come to this conclusion? They named their children with God-honoring names. Okay. All the names we mentioned had a link with God, you know, honoring God. So when the parents named their children this way, it definitely reflected that they were godly and wanted their children to honor God as well. And this is the first important way whereby we can you know, uh, uh, make sure that we don't give in to the pressure. Make sure your foundation is on God's word because it is God's word that is going to take a strong hold in your life. Secondly, there was a revival of interest in the word of God. Not only did the godly parents you know, name their children and obviously taught them, but even in society around, there was a revival under King Josiah when the book of the law, which had been lost in the house of, the, of God, was discovered. If Daniel was around 15, 16, and 605 BC, it meant roughly the first 10 years of his life would have been during this time period when the word of God was found again and was prized highly in Jerusalem. So not only it is godly parents who laid the foundation, but also society around, their interest in God's word also gives you the strong pressure, you know, internal pressure 
That's why the scripture says, don't forget to assemble yourselves together, to encourage one another, to study God's word together. Yes, godly parents have a great influence, but also your peer group together, when you come together to study God's word, even like what we are doing this evening, is going to lay a strong foundation. Thirdly, prophets spoke the word of God. Prophets spoke the word of God. Jeremiah, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk were prophesying the word of God, and it is definitely likely that Daniel was impacted by their ministry. Because remember later on in the book of Daniel, Daniel refers to Jeremiah's prophecy. He knows, he has studied Jeremiah's prophecy. So these are the three things that helped him to build up the internal pressure. Yes, there were external pressure, but his home gave a solid foundation. Then his study you know, in God's word by the parents, by himself, by his peer groups, you know, that laid a stronger foundation. And when he began to listen to God's word that is taught by teachers you know, around, he learned from them. So this was a threefold and an internal building up of pressure. But all three, remember, is linked up with God's word. So how can you combat the pressure of the world around? When their worldview is different, when they teach differently, it is God's word which will act as a buffer. So you must definitely be strong in studying God's word. How would you be able to stand firm when the people will be saying, hey, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay. You know, stand firm. Check up what the Bible says on each of those ethical issues, okay? And once you know what the Bible tells you, then this will act as a buffer. It will act as a filter, as it were, to make sure that the wrong stuff is not going to get into your minds. Remember, somebody has put, we have these different gates. You know, you have the ear gate, we have the eye gate. We are listening constantly to different things that the people of the world are saying. We are seeing different things that the people of the world are showing us you know, through visuals. Now, we need to be careful. We just don't soak it in. We must make sure that we put a filter of God's word because that is what will act as a buffer. If we don't have the filter of God's word, what will happen? Everything that you hear, everything that you see, you just imbibe in. You just imbibe in. And sooner or later, you find like that you know, redwood tree or like termites that have eaten away the food, in another wood, internally, you have all become weak and you crumble down. Next, let's look at the reason why Daniel refused. Why did Daniel refuse to eat the food that was served at the king's table? Three reasons. Number one, it would not have been prepared according to the kosher laws of the Old Testament. What are the kosher laws? The Old Testament had in a, in a different... Uh, Animals that could be eaten, could not be eaten, and how it should be eaten, okay? In other words, many of the food that they were eating would have been ritually unclean. So as a result, he said, look here, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. Secondly, all the wine and most of the meat would have been offered to pagan gods, okay? <clears throat> and to eat food that has been offered to these gods would mean that he is endorsing paganism. So as a result, he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And thirdly, Daniel also knew that sharing a meal at the king's table represented sharing the king's value. That it means I'm endorsing your value system. Okay. 
And this is the reason why Daniel refused to eat at the king's table. And this teaches us this important lesson that you can't corrupt a man, uh, teaches us that you can't corrupt a man from the outside. You can change a culture, but you can't change a character. You can change his name, but not his nature. Daniel may have looked like a pagan outside, but on the inside, he was a servant of the living God. And even the mighty King Nebuchadnezzar could not do anything about it. Daniel could have come up with different excuses, isn't it? To say, it's okay. It's okay. After all, it is only food. After all, you know, I don't you know, want to be enemies with the king. No, no. He drew a line on this particular area. Now, we must remember that we can always find an excuse when you don't want to do right. But Daniel didn't need any excuse. Why? Because he had already decided what he will do, no matter what happened. This is why it is so important for us to make up our mind before something happens. As I often say, if you have decided that cheating is wrong, you have made up your mind. Then when you sit at the exam table and the teacher examiner says, today everybody can cheat, what would you say? You say, no, I've already made up my mind that I won't cheat. But if you have not made up your mind, and that day the teacher said you can cheat, you say, oh, what an opportunity. So you need to make up your mind before the situation arises. So this is why even at this particular stage, you must make up your mind on different ethical issues, whether it is in a, on abortion, whether it's on murder, whether it's on you know, impurity, you know, whether it's on all that immorality that is happening in the world. Make up your mind on godly principles right now, not when it arrives, but right now so that if in case it arrives, you'd be able to take a stand. Next, let's look at you know, how God guided Daniel to take a stand. Now, Daniel resolved in his heart, the Bible tells us, in verse 8. Okay, How does verse 9 say? Verse 9 starts off by saying, you know, now God had caused the official to show favor. First, Daniel took a stand, and then God showed him favor. God showed him favor. It is not that God showed him favor, so he took a stand. It is not, you know, he prayed and said, God, if you show me favor, if you do this, this, and this, then I will take a stand. No, Daniel resolved first, and then God showed him favor. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 tells us that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his eyes are looking here and there to find out who is a person here on earth who is taking a stand for me. And when he sees such an individual, he comes alongside and stands by that person. And that's what he does. You know? God showed him favor in the eyes of Ashpenaz. Now, what is the favor? Okay, Daniel's proposal, remember, was very simple. He asked that he and his three friends be taken off the rich diet and be served only vegetables and water for 10 days, okay, for 10 days. He didn't make you know, any big uh, demands, isn't it? He didn't say, I don't want this food, but I want this better food. No, no, he didn't complain about the food, okay? God is the one who guided Daniel to take this type of a stand, 
to make this type of a proposal because it was a very tactful proposal because he didn't demand anything. He only made a request and he only made a request to the right people. Okay. And he also put a stipulation of just 10 days so that it didn't require a lot of you know, preparation for a long time for some unusual food. And definitely 10 days was a short time to evaluate whether the test was successful or not. Verse 15 and 16, once God has guided Daniel to operate in this manner, you know, verse 15 and 16 tells us that at the end of the 10 days, the four teens looked better, okay, looked better. And in fact, it's, you know, they looked so good that, you know, the God continued them with this simple diet, you know, for the next part of those three years. And this does show that God blesses those who make up their minds to honor him. So this evening, ask yourself, you know, have you resolved in your heart that no matter whatever happens, I'm going to take a stand for God? Everybody says, no, I'm going to take a stand. Okay. If that is your decision, then the Lord says, I'm going to come alongside of you. How did God reward Daniel for taking this stand? How did God reward Daniel? Okay. Sometimes the reward comes after a long time. But in this particular case, the reward came very, very quickly, very quickly. How did God reward Daniel for taking this stand? Verse 17 informs us that God gave them wisdom and understanding, wisdom and understanding. So apart from their physical features that were doing very well, God also gave them wisdom and understanding. Okay. And then, along with that, you know, the Bible also speaks about how, because of this, they would get positions of honor in the kingdom. Okay, so you remember the order of events. First, the decision was made to stand up for what they believed. Then God honored that decision. Then God gave them wisdom and understanding. Okay, and along with that, later on, it also says that God gave them. Uh, God gave Daniel especially the unique ability to interpret dreams. So God always honors those who honor him. Don't wait. Don't manipulate. Don't you know, tell God, God, if you do this for me, then I will take a stand. No, you take a stand. Trust God. God will help you. God will reward you. And because they took a stand at this particular juncture, Remember, verse 21 tells us that Daniel remained in the court of Babylon until the first year of Cyrus, which was 539 BC. That means he served as an advisor to the whole series of Babylonian kings for at least another 60 more years. 60 more years. How did this all happen? Daniel said no. Okay. Now, I wonder when Daniel said no, whether he thought he would have been, he would be rewarded. No, no. That was, that was not his intention at that time, isn't it? His intention was, I'm not going to dishonor God. Okay. He had resolved in his heart. And once he did that, he didn't bother about the rest. He says, God, it's your responsibility. And that's what God wants us to do. The decision that Daniel made in the dining room on that particular day, many, many years ago, took him ahead in the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, down through those years. 
the decisions that you make when you are young today is going to determine your destiny for the future. Let's learn a couple of lessons for us today from this particular study this evening. Number one, the world continually tries to reprogram us into a different way of thinking. The world tries to reprogram us, okay? It could be the educational system. It could also be the social media that is around us. It could be your friend circles who are around you who are constantly bombarding your minds, trying to reprogram your mind into a different way of thinking, okay? They are trying to squeeze you. J.B. Phillips' translation of Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, the world is trying to squeeze you into its mold, but be careful, be careful. There's a battle for the mind that is going on. And if we lose this battle, we are going to be the losers. It's an internal battle. Nobody else knows about it, but that's a battle that is going on. Make sure that nobody tries to brainwash you, study God's word, be, have a strong buffer inside. Secondly, we must make up our minds in advance that we will be loyal to God. The key over here is in advance. Before the situation arises, make up your mind, this is the stand that I am going to take. Okay? This is the stand that I am going to take. So whatever in our ethical issues that are there in the world today. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with so many issues that are around. You may say, I'm not facing that now, so why bother about it? No, no. Make up your mind now. What is your biblical perspective of it? Study it and make sure you make those your convictions so that if in case you face that later on, you would not succumb to it. Thirdly, we must know our own limits and must not do is wrong. We must know our own limits and must not do what we know is wrong. Once you have made up your mind, you know this is right, you know this is wrong. Once you know what is wrong, you have drawn the line, make sure that you don't cross the line. Make sure that you don't yield to that pressure. Make sure that you don't give in, but stay firm. Okay, And a simple principle when the pressure is there from all around you and you think you're the only one is when we are faced with a hard moral choice say these words others may i cannot others may i cannot you don't have to decide for anyone else but you do have to decide for yourself and finally the fourth principle or the fourth lesson is godly convictions yield god-given rewards Godly conviction yields God-given rewards. What starts with Daniel ends with God. What starts with courage ends with a lifetime of blessing. Look at what God did for this young Daniel. God protected Daniel when he proposed the test. God prospered Daniel during the test and afterward. And finally, God promoted Daniel in the eyes of the king. It may not have seemed important to him at that particular time, but his decision not to eat the king's food shaped him for the next 60 years. Okay, Lessons for us today, and we must make sure that we take a stand. There's a song that was written in 1873 by a person called P.P. P. Bliss. 
and the song was entitled Dare to be a Daniel. The chorus of this song you may be familiar with. I will read in a, the lyrics of this song and after we close in prayer, we'll put on that tape for you so that you can listen to this song and make this your prayer to say, Lord, I want to be a Daniel. I dare to be a Daniel for you in this generation. And this are the lyrics for this song. It says, standing by a purpose true, heeding God's command, honor them the faithful few, all hail to Daniel's band. Many mighty men are lost, daring not to stand, who for God had been a host by joining Daniel's band. Many giants, great and tall, <coughs> stalking through the land, headlong to the earth would fall, if met by Daniel's band. Hold the gospel banner high, on to victory grand, Satan and his host defy, and shout for Daniel's band. And the chorus says, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known.